Welcome to Healing for Your Thoughts, the podcast having the kinds of conversations that help us all heal out loud rather than continue suffering in silence. In honor of Mental Health Awareness Month, today's episode focuses on mental health self-care. It includes a brief discussion of some of the signs of mental fatigue, as well as some very specific ways we can all be more intentional about practicing this very nuanced kind of self-care and doing so not just for the short-term relief, but also in support of long-term health. It is my hope that something shared here resonates with you and inspires you to either get started with or continue your own mental health self-care routine and that you'll also make a commitment to yourself to get extra help and support if and when needed, as often as needed. So with that, let's get into the show. Mental health self-care is the specific kind of care that helps improve our mental health through both traditional and sometimes non-traditional means. These targeted activities can possibly help lower stress levels while also increasing energy levels. And because of the known connection between mind and body, Mental health self-care can also potentially help decrease the overall risk of physical illness. So as you're going about the business of life, how do you know when you're in need of some mental health TLC? Here are a few obvious and maybe some not so obvious signs. The first one being increased feelings of stress, anxiety, irritability, or short-temperedness that lasts more than a few hours to a day or so. Other symptoms Reduce focus and difficulty concentrating in, in um, combination with a feeling of confusion or forgetfulness. And certainly all of that can lead to impatience with ourselves and others. And probably aside from stress and anxiety, another um, more significant symptom that people probably would associate with mental fatigue is a difficulty sleeping. Um, when our minds are not able to be rested, our bodies pay the price. You know, that goes back to what I was talking about a a few seconds ago with that connection between mind and body. So we go to sleep or we try to go to sleep, but we can't get settled enough. And so if we are able to fall asleep, it's not restful. So we wake up the next day tired, probably more tired than we were when we went to bed the night before. Those are some definite signals that you're experiencing mental health fatigue and needing to find a way and a place where you can quiet your mind clear your mental canvas and restart. Um, You know, life happens to all of us. And most of the time we can usually bounce back relatively easily, relatively quickly. But then, you know, there's these other times when we have to put in a little more effort, dig a little deeper and do um, more of the work to find our way back to wellness. And, you know, as I said at the top of this episode, if you need help and when you need help, there's nothing wrong with asking for it. But you can only get it if you'll admit that there is a challenge within which you need the assistance to overcome. Um, So now that I've shared a few indications rather of mental fatigue, I'd like to offer some suggestions for a few unique ways I practice mental health self-care that, you know, people may not necessarily think of as mental health self-care, but definitely will help clear that mental canvas and get us all back to a place of renewal. Um, The first one is practicing forgiveness, starting with forgiving yourself. Are there things in your past that you're carrying as a companion into your future? If so, take the time to do the work to resolve the feelings that you have about the circumstances, recognizing that you can't change the past, but you do have the power 
to positively impact your future by making the decision to start right where you are and take the necessary steps to grow forward. You know, if there are people who are in your life that you feel have wronged you or that you have wronged, because, you know, let's keep it fair, you must do the work to find a way to forgive them, even if they never offer an apology. You must find a way to offer your own apology if that is what is required of the situation. And in all of this, remember that the forgiveness isn't for them, it's for you. But this is where we as human beings often get caught up. We hold on to these things and, you know, we get stuck, right? We think that forgiveness means letting the offender off the hook. Well, the problem with that particular mindset is that we got to first reconcile that there isn't a hook that we have control of to begin with. And once we get that straight, letting go or rather forgiving is a lot easier, or at least a little easier. Um, beyond this, if what I'm saying here seems impossible and, you know, whatever the circumstance, you feel like it is just absolutely unforgivable, I'd like to offer a resource, a tool that is, um, I don't know how well known it is in some circles, but in academic circles, it's a, it's a relatively, um, popular methodology. And that is the Enright Forgiveness Model, which was created by Dr. Robert Enright, who leads the International Forgiveness Institute. And yes, it is a whole thing. Um, Dr. Enright developed a comprehensive four-phase model, which includes four pillars, uncovering your anger, deciding whether to forgive, working on the forgiveness itself, and then finally deepening your emotional relief as a result of the forgiveness you're pursuing. So, as I said, it's it's called the Enright Forgiveness Model, and I discovered it several years ago um, doing some research and working with some clients that had experienced some trauma and they needed to work through um, forgiving some of the people attached to that trauma and some of the outcomes from those particular experiences. And you would be amazed at um, the level of introspection that got them to a place of growing forward beyond those then present circumstances. And so I just thought it was a great resource to share here as a component, as a new tool, maybe that you might not have considered as a means of practicing mental health self-care. And so if you'd like to learn more about the Enright Forgiveness Model, you can check out www.internationalforgiveness.com for more information. Um, Another option that I'd like to share is the art and the practice of mindfulness. Mindfulness is the essence of being fully aware and connected to what is happening around you, to just really be present in the moment while also acknowledging and accepting your feelings, your thoughts, and possible body sensations in response to your environment, right? Mindfulness can be practiced in any number of ways, including mindful eating, mindful communication with intention setting exercises. So intention setting exercises, you know, sometimes you hear people say, well, I'm going to set my intention today. And they might say something like, you know, today is a good day to have a good day. So that mindful communication is you being very, very, very intentional about what you're speaking out into the universe and what you expect in return. You know, that's that self-communication, but it also applies to how you interact with your fellow human being. You know, especially when you are in the midst of having maybe a difficult conversation, right? You can mindfully choose to extend grace, to extend compassion, to extend forgiveness 
um, in the midst of that difficulty. And that's, you know, that's one way um, to practice mindful communication. Another part of this mindfulness um, practice is mindful meditation through simple body scans that call for you to just sit still and get quiet while completely focusing on tuning into your body from head to toe. It's very simple to do. Um, you can pull up a chair. Any chair doesn't have to be anything special. And you just kind of relax into that chair, close your eyes, do some deep diaphragmatic breathing in through your nose, out through your mouth, right? And you just begin to recognize how you are feeling in your body, the gentle sensations that come as you just say nothing, that you think about nothing, that you focus on nothing other than just being in your body. And that's, in short, what is what is called a, a body scan in a way that you can mindfully connect to self. Um, the next one I'd like to offer is practicing gratitude through the GROW method. And so gratitude in and of itself is a way to clear your mental canvas. Say you had a bad day, but there was one thing good that happened in the midst of 10 bad things. Well, guess what? You reduce the impact of those 10 bad things by instead focusing on the one good thing that you're grateful for that happened today. And so doing that every day makes room for more gratitude. With the GROW method, you can actually get yourself a journal. It doesn't have to be you know, anything special, a notebook, or, you know, if you want to make it a special kind of experience, get a journal that you are fully, completely focused on um, recording gratitude moments there. And so with G, the letter G would be giving yourself 10 minutes each day to connect just with your sense of gratitude, right? R is reflecting on the very specific things that happened that day for which you're grateful. You can go deeper by also examining the why behind your gratitude. And if you really want to understand it, you can go beyond the gratitude and instead consider why it actually matters. So for example, if you are grateful for um, a friend circle, a really strong friend circle that no matter what's going on in their lives, no matter how busy they are, no matter how many other places and spaces they could be, when you need them, they drop everything and they show up. That's something to really understand and be grateful for, right? And understand more specifically that it matters because it is a reminder to you that in this world, you are not alone and that you matter and that you are loved by others. And so it's a really awesome thing to just simply pay homage to that in your journal and thank those people, reflect on that, right? And then so, oh, as you get into you know, understanding your gratitude, observe how that gratitude makes you feel. So having a strong friend circle using this last example I just gave, you know, makes you feel loved. So you would just simply observe. I feel loved. I feel seen. I feel cared for, right? I am reminded that I matter. And so lastly, the W would be to write the things down in your journal. And by the way, it's important to note that when we learn new things, that we have pleasurable experiences or recall a happy memory, our brains release a chemical called dopamine. Dopamine is known as that feel-good hormone that kind of just bursts on the scene. And in that moment of joy, it amplifies the joy. In that moment of love, it amplifies the love. And so when we practice gratitude, we are producing a lot of dopamine. And so that's that's some really good behaviors um, to mimic as much as we possibly can because Lord knows there's enough bad in the world to take us down on any other day. Um, but I digress. 
For added practice and an extra boost, you can go back to every entry you've put in your journal from a previous day to amplify your feel-good experience because gratitude, as I said a moment ago, it's good. It's really good for the soul. The more you practice, the more it grows and the more gratitude you have, the more you will discover in your own life to be grateful for. And that kind of energy will only make room for even more good vibes. The next mental health practice um, or rather mental health self-care practice I'd like to offer is something I call take 10, then begin again. So everybody's busy. Like when COVID happened, the world shut down, we came to a standstill, but then it seems like when we ramped it back up, we went into overdrive. Everybody is booked and busy. Calendars are full. I remember seeing a post on Facebook where a friend said adult relationships have gone from social gatherings to looking more like needing to book an appointment just to get together. It's kind of funny, but not really because it's true, right? Some people are just busy being busy. Other people are busy being productive, but either way, life and schedules get hectic and we can become mentally fragile and worn out. So one of the easiest ways to manage the likelihood of this or even the potential for it happening and putting us in a place of mental overwhelm is to just take 10 minute breaks throughout our day to just pause from all activity and allow our mind to reset. You know, you'd be amazed at the difference it makes especially if you're taking those breaks in the midst of facing some difficulty where you're trying to solve a problem or learn something new that's especially challenging Excuse me, in ways that you didn't think it was and it's leading to some frustration. Taking that 10 before you begin again will do wonders for your ability to get refocused, concentrate, and do what you need to get done. The next and probably um, most important one to me is prayer because it definitely helps. You know, I'm a woman of faith and I will never, ever shy away from that. And while I'm here in this particular space, I'd like to share something. So as a woman of faith, you know, I I just said, I I will never shy away from that. I honor it. I own it Um, because it's who I am. What I am not is what some might call a holy roller. You know, I'm not one of those people that's going to try to use this platform to beat you over the head with talk about God and the Bible. And yet I fully know and acknowledge the power of God and the Bible and therefore how important it is in my life. So whether it's this current episode, a past episode or a future episode, you will hear me talk about my relationship with God. And I won't be um, embarrassed about that. I won't be squeamish about that because again, it's a part of who I am and it's important to my life. Um, And my prayer life is an extension of that. And so when I think about mental health self-care, prayer is high, very, very high on the list for me. Um, I pray for my husband and my children, my friends, my extended family. I pray when I'm nervous and stressed. I pray when I need clarity, wisdom, and direction. I pray when I need healing. Um, But most importantly, I pray as a means to stay connected and honor my kingdom covenant with God who has kept me through all the adventures of my life. And so I would offer, if you're someone who either doesn't pray at all or doesn't regularly pray, but you're feeling those moments in life where whatever's happening seems to be more than you can handle by yourself, give prayer a try. You've nothing left to lose you know, and so much more to gain. And you might find that it brings you peace. 
And, you know, don't let the idea of prayer be intimidating. Understand there's no perfect way to pray. There's no right or wrong way to pray. It's about starting a conversation, right? Think of it as a conversation and just do it. Go to a quiet place and just start talking to God. Lean into that conversation because I'm sure, I know he's waiting to hear what you have to say. And what I know more than that is you'd be surprised at what you get back in return. I hope this helps. This has been Healing for Your Thoughts. Thank you for listening. I hope you found these tips helpful. Until next time, remember to live well and with intention. All my best, Charlie.